This is Fantastic Books and How to Read Them. The fantasy book review podcast for fantasy fanatics, book nerds, and lovers of lore and stories. Covering some of the most beloved fantasy series, as well as brand new novels. With your hosts, Sam and Anna Furman. Let's see what we're reading this week. Welcome back, fantastic listeners. This is Sam. And Anna. And today we are conducting our interview with Aaron N. Hall. He's written stories such as The Wevelian Chronicles, My Name is Hammerfist, the series, and what we're covering this week, which is I'm Sorry, Here's a Plasma Rifle, a collection of short stories, poems, and pastry recipes. Oh, I forgot the pastries. Oh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys actually make pastries for this? I was going to. I meant to do it yesterday, and I forgot. I mean, uh, having looked at your pastry recipes, not replicatable in 2023 without my, oh my God, what was it called? Thermonuke. Thermonuke? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say it. I was going to say, I hope you guys didn't try anything from the actual book because, oh boy, that is that's recipe for disaster. No pun intended. <laughs> no, I hadn't. It was funny because I was like talking about doing the pastry recipes, not to like get ahead of ourselves, but I hadn't read ahead because that's like a big premise of what we do when we collaborate is we really, really try not to peek or read ahead and give ourselves spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I got to the end, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> these are not real recipes, <laughs> but they cracked me up so much. Like, there was one where you had like 527 grains of salt or something. And that was like what first yep. caught my eye. And then I like really started looking at them and I, <laughs> they just, they were really like witty and funny to me. Oh yeah. Especially yeah. for cinnamon rolls, uh, one teaspoon of unbridled rage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The truth behind that was I, I wanted to do some actual pastry recipes to go in the book, but I didn't know if like recipes could be copywritten. And what the heck was I going to do? Just like Google some and like copy and paste them. And I figured the best way to avoid that potential issue is just to make the recipes ridiculous and unusable and unrecognizable from the source in which I lifted it. So that is how that was born. Oh, that makes so much sense. Are you a baker at all? Or do you just want to include them? It's ironic because I actually work for a cookie company, but I am not a baker. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that is pretty ironic. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I meant to just make some cinnamon rolls uh, from my own recipe to eat tonight, but I completely forgot. Womp womp. So speaking of like putting the pastry recipes in, you put in this like frame story of Dr. Oh, yeah. Salazar. And I thought it was such a hoot to open that way. It really reminded me of sort of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy style storytelling um was that something you had originally in your idea like where did you come up with this kind of framework i don't remember the genesis of that idea i I will note that i have read hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and it's got one of my most favorite prologues ever written i didn't love the book though if i'm being honest like it just felt aimless to me i think it's cool like i respect for douglas adams but yeah anyway back to your question (laughs) i don't remember how that idea was born but i liked the idea of this book being something that I wrote before one of the last things I wrote, and then someone sent it back from the future. And and that kind of like generated some more ideas of, you know, who would send it back? Would they have things to say about the work? And, you know, I came up with this story of Dr. Arthur Salazar, who found it in a trash can and thought it was interesting and decided to send it back. So I I don't remember, there's no story of the time and place where I had the idea of, oh, this would be great, but it just kind of grew. And felt like a fun idea, so I went with it. 
Well, well we loved it. <laughs> I think it took me off, like caught me off guard. Like obviously, like it was just the first thing I read, so I didn't know what kind of genre the book mm-hmm. was gonna take. Uh, right. And I, ha- I usually read out loud to Sam while we're in the car, and we were on the highway, just like cry laughing. <laughs> like it was just, it really took us by surprise. I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad you guys liked it. I thought it was perfect too for setting a great tone, because although you have such serious themes in a lot of these short stories, there is a lot of lightheartedness within them. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that was a great way to get the reader into your mindset. Yeah, thank you. I, f- I feel like you have to strike a certain balance with the brevity and the seriousness of some of the subject matter, because if it was just super serious all the time, it would be a difficult read. And I do want to like bring people into my work and make it feel like something that they can become a part of. And in order to do that, I feel like you can do that with a sense of humor because you can pack these interesting ideas and these observations on our world into these stories and poems, but I feel like humor is a way to make it a little bit more approachable. So that's what I was going for. I felt like that was it. Like I, when I sent you over those questions, I listed a few of the themes that I felt like you touched upon a lot, like mm-hmm. multiple times throughout different stories and poems. And some of them are pretty heavy. Yeah. Definitely like some post-apocalyptic themes going on, sort mm-hmm. of like the destruction of nature. There was definitely some like political references. Yeah. There was stuff about like failed relationships, like it didn't mm-hmm. feel like a book when I got to the end where I was like, wow, that was really tough uh, and like hard to think about all those heavy themes. But like you really did approach them all in a way where you could get to those more deep topics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, I feel like it's kind of a reflection of who I am because I, I fancy myself someone who's approachable and like not like outgoing, maybe outgoing. I don't know. But I like I, I imagine myself as a personable individual, you know, who likes to bring people into my world. But I also have these thoughts and questions about issues like socioeconomic classes and love and failed relationships and things like that. And those are really real questions to me. So, you know, when I'm writing poetry in particular, like I want that to come from a real place. So that's just kind of what comes out. So when you're reading things like Fallout Frog or Lover, it's it's those are things that I feel and things that have happened to me or things that I think about. You're you're just getting like an intimate look into my brain as you're reading that poetry. And it's kind of hard to like be that vulnerable and to put myself out there like that, but it is a cathartic experience, especially when you share it with other people and they enjoy it and they find they can relate to it in some way. I think poetry is like a a really good medium for that especially compared to like we're used to reading super long stories and yeah like trilogies and fantasy and you don't ever really get that kind of like raw emotion the way you get in poetry mm-hmm. so do you have like a preference when you write like do you write like writing long stories because i know you've like hit a lot of different genres and the things that you've done right um i really like that question i mean i first started off writing longer stuff i mean when i started getting into writing seriously because i first loved I figured out that I loved writing when I was like nine or 10 years old and I would write little short stories for my friends or like poems or fun little stories. But I started writing my first book when I was 15. And um, when I published it, by the time I was 22, 23, it it was something like 115,000 words, which is a pretty long first novel. Yeah. But and, and I thought that if I wanted to do short stories, like in Plasma Rifle, that it would be too hard, that I would want to develop them into longer stories. But I actually learned that I enjoyed kind of keeping it tighter 
and and shorter and it was a fun new challenge to me and it's something that i discovered i actually really enjoyed so i'm going to do more collections like this in the future actually i'm planning on releasing one this year Yay. oh awesome yeah <laughs> i'm excited for that yeah <laughs> thanks oh. it's going to be called uh, love letters to a house on fire so it'll, expect that this fall or this winter Ooh, okay definitely we'll keep our eyes peeled for that very cool i know with a lot of these short stories it in a way could seem limiting, but I can understand how you'd feel that it's almost liberating to have something so contained because when you're developing a story, it sometimes can just exponentially grow mm-hmm. and it's hard to place limits, mm-hmm. especially like world building and everything else. But um, one of your short stories, I loved Heaven Spire part one and two. Ooh, okay. You loved that oh, one. Oh, it just it was such good high fantasy. Mm-hmm. There was like respect to the old ways, a good classic villain, a nice twist. I don't know. It just it checked off a lot of boxes for me. You just looked so sad when it was over. Like <laughs> I you did. genuinely wanted more. <laughs> well, you'll be happy to hear that the world that I made in that short story has actually caught my interest on turning it into a series. Yeah sometime down the line because my first fantasy series is called the Wevelian Chronicles. It's a trilogy about a kid who's foreordained by a dragon god to be the next king of a kingdom that's fallen apart. But it feels like a little bit more modern style fantasy. But with Heavenspire 1 and 2, I wanted to write something that, like you said, kind of paid homage to the classic days of fantasy, kind of the Dungeons and Dragons and the Dragon Lance kind of feel And I really enjoyed it. And I feel like as I've gotten more experience as a writer, this is something that I want to write as a series some point down the line where I could like make this this new fantasy world where I've put together where there's 10 realms where people live and there's been wars. But there's also these things with these ancient gods and these demons who try to screw things up. Yeah, I'm glad you had a really good time with it. It was fun to write and I see it having some potential in the future. Very cool. Was there any reason you split that into two parts? Like everything else is contained as one. Oh, I don't know. Just I think just for the fun cliffhanger of like, you know how part one ends and you're like, yeah. okay, what happens next? What's, what's <laughs> going on? Like, I, I just wanted you to have that experience of finishing off that story as the last short story in this collection. I don't know. It just it felt like a fun thing to do. This is just that's all. It just felt fun. <laughs> yeah. Leave them wanting more. And I think yeah. mission accomplished. I mean, it definitely because I again, I read it out loud to Sam and I finished part one and he was like, what do you mean? That's the end. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you know, we we circled back to it. And I think the two in between it were just so, so different. Like just a taste is a completely like post-apocalyptic style. And then Wieners is could be like now, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that you put two totally different genres and time periods in between that like classic, classic fantasy. Yeah, thank you. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I mean, the reason I wrote I'm Sorry, Here's a Plasma Rifle is so I could give something to people for free because people get it when they sign up for the newsletter on my website. But it would serve as a sampler of the kind of books that I've written and will plan to continue to write. Or it's like, this is the Costco sample (laughs) that you get like going through the aisles of the kind of writing you can expect from Aaron N. Hall. So, I mean, you get the high fantasy that I've done, um, but you also have the dystopian sci-fi kind of stuff that I may write in the future or, you know, I've done some sci-fi stuff with my Hammerfist series, but it's more like superhero comedy kind of style. But yeah, it's just, I really love variety because to me, storytelling is really similar across all genres, you know, because 
when it comes down to it, it's all about the people. It's all about the experiences and the connections that you make with these characters in these stories. And it doesn't really matter that much whether they're holding a plasma rifle or an enchanted sword. You know, it's it's all about the people and what they go through and how they resolve conflict in and out of themselves. So, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed the variety. Yeah, oh, awesome. I mean, I feel like you kind of answered this question, but I did send over a question that said, what are your favorite parts of science fiction and fantasy? Uh-huh. Um, were there any other parts besides like the people that Ooh. you really like about those genres? And like, do you feel like, you know, since this is your your sampler platter, as it were, um, do you feel like you mm-hmm. got to get all of your favorite parts of those genres into this book? Right. Uh, my favorite parts of sci-fi and fantasy. That is such a tricky question to answer because I feel like I was raised in a home where we were just fed sci-fi and fantasy stuff. I mean, I saw Star Wars when I was five years old, like everyone else. And I'm like, laser swords in the force. And well, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I was watching Never Ending Story and the Black Cauldron, like at yes. the same time. Oh, Black Cauldron. Yeah. And um, the Sword in the Stone. And like, those were some of my favorite movies. It was just swords and magic and and dragons. Like, this is this is so cool. And so... It's always kind of stuck with me, but I think as I've gotten older and exposed to different kinds of stories, you know, Breaking Bad is one of the best stories that I've ever seen in my life, but it's more realistic fiction. It could happen in the real world. But I think there's something that we gravitate towards with fantasy and sci-fi as nerds. That's just, it's so far beyond what is possible in the real world. And I think those possibilities with science and technology or magic and wizardry, it's, it's so cool and far beyond what's possible here. And I think that's the appeal. It's just so much more. There's so much more that could be there. Was it? Because um, you worked with Brian Asher, right? Yeah, it's actually, it's a it's a cool story. He um, he came to sell books at Fanex Salt Lake and I live in Utah. I went by his booth. We got to talk a little bit and told him I was an author and he was an author. I bought one of his books and it's really good. It was solid. I enjoyed it. And we've stayed in touch for like years. You know, we follow each other on social media and we we talk occasionally. And um, he and I are actually going to share a booth at Fanex Salt Lake this year and we're going to sell books together. Oh, so it's kind of cool to see that come full circle, you know, <laughs> that is cool. Um, yeah. I brought him up because like we worked with him a bunch on our podcast, too. And he said. I think he was talking about different genres and he boiled fantasy down to just the fact that it's inspiring. Like when you read fantasy, you're just inspired to like get up an adventure versus like, I forget what he said about other genres. Like he said something interesting about horror that really oh. struck me as different. I think he was saying horror was supposed to be more than just inspire fear, but like really make you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was something about like feeling wonder or something like that. But I feel like because like fantasy and sci-fi are full of that like inspiration of like, oh my God, there's so much that would be cool that we just can't do because of our world. I mm-hmm. think you hit upon that in almost every story and poem just in such a completely different way. Like Return to Dawnless was such a great, almost like a swashbuckling, like like kind of the same feel you'd get from like a pirate story, like yeah. high seas adventure, like high space adventure. Mm-hmm. And then is it Lightened Load is the one with the phone where he's deleting people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. That one hit me hard. <laughs> that one made me a little like melancholy, but in a good way. Yeah. I was reading a lot of Rod Serling around that time. He's the guy who wrote most of the episodes for the Twilight Zone. So oh. I was like, I want to write something Twilight Zone-esque. And that was an idea that I had. And oh, nailed it. Thank you. And then Heaven Spire. It's very like high fantasy inspiration. I think Just a Taste was my favorite story. Uh, mm, cool. I don't know if it 
is inspiring in the same way. It was a little more gritty and it made mm-hmm. me feel like kind of like Wild Westy adventure. Yeah. yeah. I had the Book of Eli in mind when I was writing that story. And I figured like in a dystopian world, like what is something to us that is worthless or even low quality that could be considered like priceless to them? And I figured in this world where food is so scarce and the food that does exist is so plain and so easy to get tired of a package of ramen noodles could be gourmet like people would kill for that and i thought that was a cool (laughs) concept for a story i liked it i think i actually liked it now that you mentioned that because um so i'm an archaeologist and a lot of my yeah so a lot of my research has been on like diet in the past and like what people eat Mm -hmm. and i think i'm just really fascinated by like food as a cultural phenomenon so Mm -hmm. in a future where food is just kind of this like one note bland everything is made out of the same cactus like there's no cultural enjoyment around that and then right. this guy having like this little taste of the past mm-hmm. just delighted me <laughs> i really liked it yeah i'm glad you had that experience with it one thing i really enjoy with your writing is you will take something serious but also in a way make it playful mm-hmm. that really at least me as a reader got a chance to almost understand who you are as a person even before meeting you mm-hmm. in dauntless where you have that introduction where, you know, the main character is like on a date and, you know, he's seen a guy kind of down his luck, rough around the edges, and you really empathize with him. He's like, you know, why couldn't he be with this dream girl? And then yeah. you have like this crazy, like, as I like to call it, like get big moment and he becomes heroic and saving the day. Uh-huh. And the love interest is just revealed to be his sister. And it's just <laughs> such a fun and funny way to turn a plot upside on its head. But also, these are things that so many people have as common thoughts, and it's a great way to connect anyone with similar themes mm-hmm. of wanting to belong and be, you know, accepted. Right. So it was just really, really fun and clever writing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I mean, I feel like that's kind of woven into a lot of my writing because I want to feel like I belong and that I'm loved and that I'm valued. And I, I think writing some of these stories that reflect that is just a fun experience for me like, and a fun experiment at times. But yeah, that, that story had a lot of fun turns in it. And it's, it was just, it was fun to write, man. It was just a good intro to that book. It just, it was a great time. Yeah, no, it definitely seemed like you enjoyed it. Just all of it just seems so high octane and fun. Thank you. Yeah, it was very, very playful. Throughout this whole like writing process, at least with this story, did you find something to be like very challenging or difficult? Like, did you ever reach a point where you're like, oh, I don't know if I should add this? Was there parts of it that didn't make the final cut? Are we are we talking about Return to Dauntless? Or are you talking about the whole book? Oh, I meant the book as a whole. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, we can we can talk about individual stories too. If there's like completely different writing pr- uh, processes you had for them too. Oh, gosh, I feel like my process is pretty the same across all my stories. Like I create an outline, I go according to that outline, as long as it works. And if there's something that feels like a better turn in the story, or feel like it would make more sense if that happened instead, like, I'll adjust the outline accordingly. I'm trying to think if there are any stories that didn't make the cut. I don't think there were. As a matter of fact, I think I was trying to add more as time went on, because I wanted this to be like, a fairly robust little collection of stories and poems and pastry recipes Uh, in my next collection, love letters to a house on fire. It's going to be a bit bigger. I think right now I'm working on like 
half a dozen short stories and essays. And right now there's something like 22, 23 poems that are like mostly done. Whoa. But I'm going to write a bit more. Uh, And there's going to be ransom notes at the end instead of uh, pastry recipes this time around. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the ransom notes will like spell a story that you can kind of like read between the lines and figure out what happened and it'll be funny. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, it'll be a good, it'll be a good time. But from from memory, I can't remember anything that was cut out. It's just every story was written and refined and pared down and edited to a way that it felt like it flowed and the language was nice and the actions made sense. Just revisions, just freaking revisions. Yeah, no, that, I can respect that. Yeah. That being said, do you have a favorite short story or a least favorite short story and or poem? Ooh. I know it's hard to like pick out your own things. Ooh, it's so hard to pick because it's like almost like picking children. But uh, I think Return to Dauntless was probably my favorite just because it had so many like fun twists and turns in it. And it, it was just it's just a good time. It's just a fun story. Like, yeah, like a, like a sci fi swashbuckling 80s film. It's just a good time. If I had to pick a favorite poem from this collection, it would probably be Lover, actually. And I'm going to get a little vulnerable with you guys on this one, because I remember listening to you guys talk about this particular poem, and I think you guys kind of had it figured it out, but you were nervous to talk about it on the air. But I used to struggle for years with a porn addiction. Like, it was pretty bad. It's, it was a rough time in my life, and I finally have, like, overcome it, like, pretty well at, at this point. But I wanted to write a poem that, to me, illustrated the relationship between, like, the producers and the consumers of pornography, because... It's so sad. It's it's a product and it's manufactured as a product, but the consumer uses it as a coping mechanism for the lack of connection that they experience and the isolation they experience. And it's just sad. And I wanted to write a poem that kind of illustrated that relationship between the producer and the consumer. And thankfully, I'm at a place in my life where it's not in control of me anymore. It's great. And I've never felt better. That's good. Way happier, way more connected to my friends and family. But I just, I needed an experience to write out the sad reality of what that can be. And there's some people who can view pornography and it's not a big deal to them. You know, like some people can have a drink every once in a while, but then there's also alcoholics who need to stay away. And for me, I was one of those people who just needs to stay away. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry if that's a little bit of an overshare, but again, like these poems for me are, are a chance for me to be vulnerable and to talk about the things that I feel and think deep down. And so that, was something that I felt like I could write about. Wow, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing that with us. I think as guys, there's a lot of sweeping under the rug Mm -hmm. as far as like what media is presented to us and what we look at. And, you know, it's not really talked about a lot, at least for the East Coast. There's um, really good radio hosts Mm -hmm. and they talk a lot about like, how porn addiction can affect relationships and there's Mm -hmm. tons of callers that would go into it and, you know, have their own stories and experiences and how staying away from that had improved their own intimate and other types of relationships. And that's awesome that you were able to have your contribution to the world and, you know, what works for you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's a, It's still a never ending process. I mean, it's something that's so prevalent in the world that we live in that you have to be really careful about what you expose yourself to. But I'm way happier now. I'm a lot happier now. That's awesome. I think we definitely danced around it a little bit. Um, I (laughs) wasn't, it's hard, you know, because we didn't know you yet and I didn't want to 
it's hard to know like what to say sometimes yeah i totally um, get it and we also didn't <laughs> so, want to speak for it if that wasn't the intent of the yeah. art and so you know like that's what you got out of it what and you know yeah, yeah like if we were I, completely in the wrong i didn't want to like insult you but we definitely like squiggled around that for a few minutes before yeah we i totally on. get it i totally get it listening to it i'm like yeah they caught on it's just it's 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 a touchy subject so i get it but yeah i thought it would be kind of nice to get on here and set the record straight and be like this is what it is there it's out for everybody there there you have it do what you want with that information no and i think it's actually good closure to be able to talk about things that you really struggled with in the past Mm -hmm. um like a long time ago i had an eating disorder and that was like for a long time really 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 tough for me Mm -hmm. to talk about but like once you are able to process that and kind of are able to open up to other people about it i think it takes a lot of the like scariness away at least for me it did like for a long time it was like oh it's like a a secret i don't tell anyone and then you know once i started to be able to talk about it a lot more i felt a lot more comfortable with moving away from from that yeah good for you i'm proud of you thanks thank you i'm proud of all of us we're doing it (laughs) look at us we're making things happen well i think that kind of segues into another question about like what was the most difficult part of writing it because you definitely do have like some some difficult topics in here so like do Mm -hmm. you think that the emotional part of writing the book was more difficult than like actually you sound like a pretty organized writer. So I don't know if like the actual sitting down and writing is like the most challenging part for you. Yeah, I'm pretty organized. And I'm one of those writers that just believes that you got to sit down and like put in the hours, you know, it's writing is work sometimes. I mean, if you wait around for lightning to strike and inspiration to just hit you like you're you're not going to get anything done. So I, I am one of those people who likes to organize my time and make the time to write even if I may not be feeling up to it at the time but I think the most difficult part was just exposing this particular work to the world because I knew that people were going to read those poems and they're going to get an intimate look into my heart and my mind and that's kind of scary because when I'm writing about like my my past porn addiction or my depression diagnosis or how I feel with love and relationships at times I mean it's a vulnerable place to be and thankfully like the book has been received really well. Like I can't think of a single person who's read plasma rifle and is like, that was a waste of my time. Um, and especially like I've had friends read the poems and, you know, reach out to me and say like, Hey, I feel like I got to know you better. And thanks for being honest and upfront with the things that you feel and things you don't feel about this and that. I feel like it's important. And thanks for being part of that conversation. And that, that makes things better. But I, that vulnerability is still, it's still hard sometimes. Oh, definitely. Thank you for, being strong enough to be that vulnerable and share that with the community and us because not everyone has that kind of fortitude. Mm. It's tough to really lay yourself out on the line and to then in turn almost be potentially be criticized for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Cause when you, when you pour your soul into something like a, a poem or a story and then someone reads it and says that it's bullshit, it's like, <laughs> Hey, wait, no, like I worked really hard on this and this is meaningful to me. Like, but it is what it is. And you just kind of learn to roll with that feedback. For sure. I mean, especially with poetry, too. It's such a emotional thing. And I think what's fun is like sometimes authors will like to write f- from, you know, not their own perspective. They'll pretend mm. to be a persona and write from that. But I think it's a lot more powerful. Like, I feel like we got a lot of different emotions from all your different poems. Definitely just a lot of like your inner thoughts and worries and concerns were like kind of hidden in the topics too, especially Mm. with um, the frog one. Fallout frog. Fallout frog, yeah. So like, you know, concern for the future, Uh um, which is something that I like think about a lot. You know, I work 
outside all the time and you know the environment's on my mind a lot yeah I feel like there was a lot of different like facets that I could really see where your thought process is going and I was like oh wow I have like really similar similar thoughts too so that's why I think poetry is like more raw Mm -hmm. less filtered right I liked that they were after the short stories actually I felt like it was kind of like we're entering more and more like deep into who you are as a person as we like went through the book. Thank you. Yeah. A fallout frog. I don't know. It's like, it's like what Sam mentioned earlier. Sometimes I like to mask serious topics with like humor because fallout frog is a, a funny little poem with a nice rhyme and meter, but you, you get this image of this world that's been kind of consumed by pollution or nuclear fallout or all of the above. And then you've got the haikus following of, you know, a new world. That just kind of illustrate what's going to be left after us. Like, what are what are we leaving this world? You know, we've got one planet, and are we doing enough to take care of it? I don't think I'm doing enough. I don't know. It just those are the things that are on my mind sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, an existential well, crisis. Like, even like our single use plastics. Um, oh yeah. You know, I work as an X-ray technologist, but ninety percent mm-hmm. of my time I work in an operating room, mm-hmm. and the amount of single use plastics like and this is just from one surgical center let alone like the thousands across the country and like you know the hundreds of thousands across the world it's disturbing you know these things are obviously serving an important purpose for keeping you know patients safe mm. but at the same time the the cost and the detriment <laughs> to the environment is just oh it's gut wrenching you know yeah. like i see how much gets thrown out and you're like oh yeah, it's like, what world are we leaving for our children and their children's children? What is, what's the end of this road? What does it look like? And is it worth it for what we're doing now? So I don't know. I, I want, I hope people continue to innovate and to think outside the box on how we can use some of these resources we've already created to be more sustainable and to last longer in more meaningful ways. I hope so. We definitely have like such new cool technology that could be used for good Hmm. and uh fingers fingers crossed people yeah. figure out how to how to like recycle plastic and stuff like that did you know this conversation was going to get this heavy i mean i feel like a lot of the poems and stories can be just like <laughs> funny um so yeah i'm sorry if it get like a little dumpy at times no i love a good life let's talk. talk about grandpa wizard he's fun and <laughs> silly okay oh yeah. yeah who doesn't love good grandpa that, wizard for some reason that reminded me of the grandpa from the rugrats oh really <laughs> Yeah, I just like could see him wearing like a wizard's robe and like, (laughs) you know how in the cartoon he's always like sleeping on the couch and like eating baked apples and just like being old. Mm -hmm. That's like who I was picturing and it made me laugh. Yeah, there's there's no underlying themes in that poem. It's just fun. This is a fun poem about a wizard grandpa. Like he's just a wizard grandpa. That's all it is. That's all it is. Oh, it was great. I don't know why when I read it for the podcast, my brain immediately was like, we're singing this in song or not at all. Mm-hmm. And oh, I forgot you just had that. a blast for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like reading Lord of the Rings and you reach like the poems and the songs. And it's like you you just figured out the 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 tune for it, man. You just figured out that melody and you went for it. Yeah, just got to go for it. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, I liked it because there's always like the old wise wizard in fantasy and it's such a trope. And then to just see kind of this like shuffling, ambling wizard like hanging out doing crosswords and Mm -hmm. not being profound and (laughs) saving the world was well just turning things around on their head if we had wizards like in our world living among us like how would they be probably look like that right they probably got weird ingredients in their house (laughs) and like spiders and tentacles just like in jars like ready to make potions but also like 
they're doing the crossword every day in the New York Times and they're they probably got grandkids coming over like later this weekend and I don't know. It was just kind of like a funny thing to think about. So I had to write a poem about it. No, it's good to have the mundane. Yeah. Mm. And it definitely broke up some of those heavier topics like we were just talking about, too. Yeah. You got to break it up occasionally. You can't, it can't just be like doom and gloom all the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, laughter is definitely the solution sometimes. Mm-hmm. I actually dressed up like a wizard a couple of days ago. I saw that on your Instagram today. Yeah. Some friends invited me to go to um, Lord of the Rings Return of the King Extended Edition in theaters. I think the closest one to us is New York City, so it was like oh, a five-hour no. five-hour drive into New York City traffic. No, nothing in like like Boston or Hartford or anything. No, I was really disappointed. Oh man, I'm sorry. So we weren't willing to drive all the way to Mordor <laughs> for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you call New York City Mordor. That's incredible. <laughs> Pretty accurate. <laughs> is it, I've never been to New York City. Like, are you are you advising me not to visit? Definitely go. It's just such a big and overwhelming city and like the best way for us to get there is to drive there uh-huh. which means fighting through horrific traffic and like yeah, forget crying it. in the car yeah oh there's something <laughs> on and i call like when we get stressed out driving in like traffic in a city uh-huh. oh yeah we have and a- if we get snippy with each other we call it a city fight that's <laughs> <laughs> so funny i drive in boston regularly and new york mm. is much more difficult drive wise it's um, way worse but the city's cool yeah okay yeah, I love the city of Boston. I've actually been thinking about going and visiting sometime soon. But uh, yep, never visited New York. Maybe one day. One day. Well, if you come to Boston, we'll come up and say hi. Oh, I would love that. It would be so dope to get like lunch with you guys and just hang out. Ooh, oh my god, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were talking about because we've now done a few different like author collaborations, but you guys are all on the West Coast. So I was like, yeah. what if we just do like a grand West Coast tour? We'll stop in <laughs> Utah and California and Washington. Oh, that'd be so tight. And then we had one author in Romania, and I was like, can we get over there? <laughs> Romania, that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, any excuse to travel, I think, would be pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, with Utah, I mean, you're kind of missing the snow at this point. So the snow might be done with if you're into, like, skiing and snowboarding. Like, you might be out of luck. But there's a lot of incredible hikes within, like, a 20-minute drive of Salt Lake City. That's Ooh. cool. Yeah, we love the outdoors. We do a lot of running and biking. Cool. I used to do a lot more skiing, but you know, you get older, the fear sets in, so you're a little Mm -hmm. bit more cautious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I used to skateboard a little bit, but then I'm like, I'm 31. When I fall, it hurts. So maybe it's time to sell my board. I'm also 31 and like, we used to longboard a decent amount, but now if I get out there, I'm like wrist guards, (laughs) like elbow pads, (laughs) knee pads. Yeah, you get it. You get it. That's the smart way to do it. But the smartest way is to just leave it behind even if it hurts you know even yeah. if yeah. it hurts to let it go um it's it's just how it is oh yeah i've had way too many reconstructive surgeries too so i'm like all right oh, forget <laughs> gotta it. hang up the cape every once in a while where's your sense <laughs> of adventure i know you're the you're the cool one <laughs> no i actually don't i'm like scared of skiing and <laughs> stuff like yeah. that it's just expensive skiing is an expensive sport so it is i can buy a new paperback for 11 dollars. so like you know right I can, we can um, walk to our library for free. Yeah. Oh, you guys are so cool using a library. I freaking love that. Uh, we love the library. Yeah. yeah. We, um, we moved last year and we can actually, we're like a two blocks away from the library and I'm loving life over there lately. Just checking out every possible book I can think Incredible. of. So. No, people who still use libraries are literary badasses. I mean, it's free. <laughs> You check out a book, it's free. It's an awesome public service. Like, why aren't more people doing this, you know? 
I don't know. I fell down the rabbit hole for a little while of like all the people showing their amazing home libraries and like uh-huh. all their fancy hardcover books. That, like yeah. they set up all perfect in their house. And I was like, I want that. We should make like a reading room and one book alone. Like especially like they're buying like brand new hardcover books. I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. like $30 every time. Mm. Mm. No, thanks. I'm going to go to the library. <laughs> I am a mass market paperback guy. That is That is the book that is printed for the masses. It is for the people. It is the same story that you get in a super fancy hardcover, but it's seven dollars. I love it. Yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, super accessible. Definitely. Yeah. I will say it's funny. Like I find myself ebbing and flowing between both ends of the spectrum. Every once in a while, an author will come out with like a a ten year anniversary edition of like a, a book, and then have Brandon like Sanderson. Illust- he's always yeah. Oh, yeah. he's got some gorgeous yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's got some really cool stuff going on. Um. Patrick Rothfuss did a really nice one for uh, Name of the Wind. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some cool ones out there, but yeah, yeah they, they all can't be special bound hardback <laughs> books because if they are all like that, then none of them are special. Yeah. I think the other problem as millennials is like you and I have moved like what, five times now? Books yeah. are heavy. I'm not yes, packing they are. up boxes and boxes and boxes yeah. of books every time. I think yeah, the first two or happens. three times where we just had boxes labeled just books in Big mistake. yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah you need like a dolly you need like like something to wheel them around with or like a wagon because even like just one shelf of books how, that's a heavy it's freaking heavy it's so heavy yeah mm-hmm. it's like essentially having a rock collection when you're moving. <laughs> <laughs> that's not <laughs> what am i gonna do with all these <laughs> yeah yeah but uh maybe someday in the future i'll do like fancy hardcover leatherback books of the wevelian chronicles or Tales of the Ten Realms when that becomes a thing. Yeah. Oh, um, that would actually be really cool. That would yeah. like fit in perfectly with the the classic like heyday of fantasy. Yeah, that would be way sick. A leather wrapped tome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would buy tome. that. <laughs> I would buy it. Noted. I'll write it down somewhere. Perfect. <laughs> Author's notes. Mm-hmm. So I know you talked about your Wevelyan Chronicles, like classic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Is Hammerfist a book or is it a Graphic novel. Graphic novel, because the cover looks graphic novel-y. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, there is a disclaimer in the description on Amazon that's like, yo, this is a novel, not a graphic novel or comic book. It would be really cool to make it a graphic novel or comic book, but that also requires hiring artists, which are expensive. Mm. But it is, yeah, it's a novel. It is a a novel about a down-on-his-luck community college graduate that gets in a freak accident, ends up with powers, and starts fighting crime for a full-time salary. So it's like a self-aware parody of the genre itself <laughs> but it's got these like great characters and the sequel is actually coming out in the next month or two Ooh. i passed it on to some beta readers i passed it on to my editor and the editor was like this book is a five out of five i love this like this is so good Whoa. like awesome um, man you've awesome. been a busy bee yeah i i try to stay busy man like writing is my shit like this is what i love you know (laughs) so i mean the goal is at least one book a year right one novel a year and after doing plasma rifle i'm like i think i want to do a novel and a collection every year that's a good goal thank you i've got titles for like collections of short stories poems and fill in the blank for the next like three or four years but yeah love letters to a house on fire is going to be the next one so probably this fall that's awesome. How often do you write? Are you like a, you know, one hour a day every day kind of person? Well, it depends on like what phase of writing I'm in, in the particular project. If I'm drafting a book, if I'm in the first draft of a book, my goal is a thousand words a day for four days. And then I try for two days of the week 
I tried to do like promotional stuff, whether I'm like making content for my social media or trying to get on podcasts, or, like stuff like that. But yeah, so it comes to about like 4,000 words a week ish. But when I'm in the revision process, I try to do a chapter a day. Yeah, that's that it usually comes out to like a book a year. That's awesome. That's pretty good. I'm impressed. Thanks. I have never done creative writing before, but I like just sat down and outlined a book and I tried yes. starting it. So I'm just trying to see yes. like what other people's writing processes are. Yes. Because right now <laughs> my process is I have Google Docs on my phone and for 20 minutes every day on my lunch break, I write in my book and that's all I got so far, but it seems to be working. That's freaking awesome. That is freaking <laughs> awesome. Okay. Like, cause listen, I mean, Every, every author will give you an explanation of what their process is, and they're all right. Writing is one of the most subjective art forms that I can think of, where there is no wrong way to approach it. You just kind of feel it out to figure out what works best for you. you know. And if what's best for you is whipping out your phone and working on Google Docs for 20 minutes a day, like, yo, you're working on your book for 20 minutes a day. That's amazing. You know, some people Thank just <laughs> some people just think about writing a book and they never do anything about it. So even if you're taking like a little bite here and there working on your project, that project is going to reach fruition and be born and, you know, have eyeballs on it one day. And that's so cool. So I'm, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's the idea has been floating around in my head for like a long time. And I was like, all right, it's time to like, we're going to do it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm stoked to say that I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take me a long time if it's just 20 minutes a day, but like, you know, uh -huh. slow and steady seems to be working for me. Exactly. And, and you know what? You need to, you need to like pay attention to your body and your mind and just make sure it's like, it fits within the balance of it all because I'm still trying to make time for like friends and dating and my day job and trying to make sure that I have time to decompress and f finding time to write novels among all of that is challenging, but when it comes down to it, like the most important things that we have in our lives are our relationships with the people we love. If it takes you a while, hey, who cares? That's great. You know, it, it'll be ready when it's ready. Wisest words. <laughs> Sage Aaron and Hall. I know, from someone uh, else who's like equally as busy. It's just like, what's his writing process? Yeah. It's hard to make time sometimes. Oh, tell me about it. But that's just it. Like sometimes you just have to make the time. Sometimes like, Hey, dude, we're going to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie night. You want to go? Like, I got to get my quota in today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll catch you another time. But uh, yeah, it's 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 making the time, but also making the time for the things that are equally or more important. Mm. For sure. I mean, I think, what, Tuesday night, we stayed up way too late recording an episode, and we both went, why do we do this? <laughs> and then I always say, healthy pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we love we love it. The procrastinator's dream, yeah. healthy <laughs> pressure. And that's just it, too. Like, you enjoy it. It's, it's something oh, that you yeah. like to do. And if, it's, if it was just something that you were doing, I don't know, trying to get fame or something, I, it wouldn't be as refreshing. You got to do it because you like it. We write stories because yeah. we love it. We podcast because we love it. That's important. Exactly. I just like to talk about books as much as possible. So I oh. dragged Sam into the podcast plan. Just <laughs> look at us now. <laughs> now look at you. That's so sick. I love that. What, what are some of your guys' favorite books? What do you really vibe with? What are the things that have stuck with you? My favorite book is The Alchemist. Bello Coelho? Yeah, that's my favorite book. Okay. I've listened to it on audiobook a lot. And there's like one guy who just has the most soothing voice in the world. And it just, every time I read it, it just really like feels so calming and refreshing. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorites. I am also, besides fantasy, a big murder mystery fan. So okay. I read a lot of like classic Agatha Christie. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my jam. One thing that 
is my biggest pet peeve is pigeonholed added romance plots to things. Mm, so I okay. feel like I feel like murder mysteries like hardly ever happens in that genre. Mm-hmm. It's been happening a lot in fantasy lately, which is like not my favorite thing, like oh. my favorite trend. I also read a lot of autobiographies of rock stars. Ooh, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Just because I think you get this idea of like this glamorous, like, I mean, I think that 70s like classic rock stars are just like the coolest people. And then uh-huh. once you get like a, a look behind the curtain, I'm like, oh my God, they are very different from what yeah. their public persona is. Yeah. And just sort of like the characters that they are is so fascinating to me. Yeah. I remember cracking open in an autobiography of Steven Tyler at a library and like immediately like the first page I looked at was like I started drinking when I was 11 and I was like whoa I'm, I'm sorry man like dang right like Heavy. Oh, oh I'm yeah like I'm sorry that happened to you like that's yeah. not that's not cool mm-hmm. but I've heard Dave Grohl has a really good autobiography I heard it phenomenal awesome. I loved it sick I'll check it out what really interested me about it was One of his like opening pieces within it is he describes himself almost like an instrument Mm. and how, you know, with time he has weathered and really deepened his sound and how a lot of people in the music and performer industry are always trying to make themselves be more visually appealing and fight the, the battle of time, maintaining their youth. And how he's just along for the ride because he sees the beauty in the aging process. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I and it was that. just really profound. And, you know, obviously, as an artist and musician, he's written songs. Oh, yeah. And I really didn't know what I was going to expect from his book. But he's just very eloquent and articulate. And I really appreciated that. Like, I didn't think he wasn't going to be. But I was just very impressed with the the writing he produced. That's way sick. Well, now I got to read it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Can I borrow that when you're done? Are yeah. you done? Yes. Can I borrow yeah. that? <laughs> and what an artist's perspective to like see himself as an instrument. Like, am I a story? Am I a story in the works right now? I am. If I think about it, like my character is developing and the character is me. So that just that blew my mind wide open, man. That's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. really it was, fascinating. It was definitely inspiring. Stories, books, it's all just wonderful media. And I think... Not that it has to be the goal of the project, but if anything allows you to inspire thought even after reading it, then it's done its job. Yeah, exactly. I like to always uh, equivalent it to like shower thoughts, but Mm -hmm. I think anytime I've either watched or read something and I'm thinking about a few days later Mm -hmm. in my own hierarchy of like what makes something good or great, if something's great where days later I'm still thinking about it, Mm -hmm. then you know, it's really impressed me. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. And that's something that I try to incorporate in my writing as well. And I I think I accomplished it to some degree with Plasma Rifle because here we are talking about it. But to me, it's not enough to just like tell a story that people will forget days later because it's like you want to leave your your readers with something like what are they going to carry with them when they're done with that story? It's like the ending of Cowboy Bebop, like that very last title. You're going to carry that weight. Like I want to give them some kind of weight to carry. And even with this uh, Hammerfist book that I have coming out, I mean, the first book is a really fun satire of the superhero genre, but you love the characters and they're fun and they're engaging. But the second book, you know, starts to dive into some questions of they're fighting crime for money. So are they mercenaries? Are they actually the good guys? And they're forced to confront these questions. 
it actually has some like heavier things going on, but it still has that sense of humor throughout the whole book and the fun characters that you love. Because I want to leave people with something, whether it's a feeling or something to think about. That to me is what makes a story enriching. And like we tell stories to enrich our lives. So that, that's doctrine from the book of Eric. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love that. It's funny because even just like reading the little blurb about Hammerfist and seeing some of the art for it, it made me think of Vox Machina. Dude, okay, okay. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> I've seen the first season and it's the most unhinged television I've ever seen in my life. And I've got like, I think halfway through season two. Okay. I got till Homegirl got, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's like listening, but something happens to one of the characters in like the third or fourth episode. And I was like, wait, I've only what? seen the first two episodes. So okay. I've completed it. But As of yesterday, okay. Sam made me watch it. Okay. And like, I don't know, I, I'm sure it's great, but I just, it's hard to bring myself back to it after that, you know? No, it definitely got heavy, soul crushing at points. And you're like, mm -hmm. how do I continue? You know, for you guys, I'll, I'll keep watching it. I'll sit myself down. I'll watch some of it tonight. But uh, yeah, it's just. I'm not sold on it still. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going <sighs> to lie. <laughs> Here. All right. Without going way too often to like a tangent, I think what I enjoy that it accomplishes as far as you get something that's very high fantasy, very Dungeons and Dragons. You get the obviously band of misfit heroes that are lovable in their crass ways. Mm -hmm. But as season two progresses, you have all these characters that have these big character growth moments, as I like to call it, like the heroic get big moments where they yeah. get the opportunity to prove themselves. Yeah. And, you know, as an audience member, how can you not get excited for someone overcoming themselves? Like that is true growth. Mm. Well, yeah, I love that. That's like what is the best part of fantasy as a genre. But that show just has not good humor, in my opinion. Well, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> like 14 year old boy humor, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I totally agree. And as someone who was like raised in a very like Christian conservative home, like there's still parts of me that are just like by like some of the humor in that show. But for the most part, I, I like it. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm in it for the adventure and seeing where that goes. But I'm going to roll my eyes every few minutes <laughs> it's the bard it's the freaking bard I yeah can't stand him uh, if you got rid of him i'd be a lot more on board with this uh, show no uh, give it time no yeah. no <laughs> i refuse uh, that being said do you ever play any DD? actually yes i have a uh, i have a DD &D group with some friends from work we get together every other tuesday we pick a meeting room and we just gather and luckily we have one guy who works with us who is like a regular DM at FanX Salt Lake every year. So like wow. they, they reach out to him to come DM one-offs because man, he's got the whole dungeon masters like, and uh, uh, player's handbook, like memorized. I swear it's like all up in his noggin and he's a great storyteller. Like he has these quests that are so good. But right now I play a, uh, a dragonborn ranger named Ugvir, who's actually the name of one of the dragon Kings from the, uh, Webleyan Chronicles series that I made. Oh, nice. I love that you pulled from your own yeah. stuff. Maybe that's vain to like reference like something that I created. No way, because then it's just more love for what you do. It's okay. I've cited myself in my own scientific papers. So <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Attached. See get, me. You can't yeah. get worse than that. It's like, oh yeah, I already wrote that. So just go over to that one and then come back over here. Yeah. But the, in the books, Ugvir is the final 
the final dragon king of Nesmith. He's been dead for thousands of years. But I just thought creating this character in D&D would be a cool homage to that character in the books. Oh, that's awesome. Because awesome. we play every now and again. And um, cool. we did one preloaded one-off adventure. And it was like the first one-off that I ever DM'd. And I never realized how much fun it is to personify the NPCs. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like my favorite part was just like interacting with the rest of the players and just kind of giving them a ride and, you know, mm-hmm. seeing how these interactions are going to play out. For sure. Yeah, there's just something about like fabricating the story and the interactions that was just so much fun. Yeah. Why don't you write stories then? That's true. It's never you too should. late. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Try some short it. stories or something, you know, just start small. Yeah, that's true. It's worth a shot. Yeah, you just should 20 do minutes a day on your Google Docs. There we go. <laughs> There we go. Ah, the Ana method. <laughs> yeah, Ana's got it figured out. I did DM one adventure one time because they were like, bro, you've written fantasy books. You want to DM for our group? And I'm like, sure. So, dude, I invested like in the big old like fold out mat and I got like the Dungeon Master's Guide and it was great. Oh my gosh, DMing is so much planning. You have to plan yeah. so much. And I did one session with these guys and it was fun. We had a good time. But one of the dudes wanted to adventure like every week. Once a week, he wanted to get together an adventure. Yeah, and like the look on your face right now. No, 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 it's not was, okay. Yeah, I was like, bro, I'm I'm out here trying to write my next book, like, and I got other things going on. I don't have time to DM once a week, once a month, probably not once a week. And he was like, well, we might as well just not do it then. And I was like, okay, we're done then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't have time for this second full time job. Essentially, yeah, for real. So that was the one time I did it. I had a lot of fun, but just uh, didn't work out. Did you have any last questions about the book we're supposed to be talking about? Yeah, I, feel like, I feel like we've gotten so <laughs> off topic, but it's been so fun to just like talk about other nerdy things. It's great. Oh, I actually do have, well, I have two questions, but I guess we can ask this one is, do you have a major takeaway you'd like for readers to get out of reading your book? Out of Plasma Rifle? Yeah. Ooh, that's hard because there's so many. I know so many themes and lessons from each story. There really are. What I want them to do is to go on Amazon Search Aaron N. Hall and then <laughs> add every single book to their cart and click checkout. That's what I want. Love it. No, but, but no, I mean, but for real, like I, uh, I don't know if there's like a singular takeaway from the book as a whole. I hope that reading Plasma Rifle will leave you with a variety of feelings. I, I hope you feel excited like you went on an adventure and I hope you feel introspective and I hope you think about your existence and what what we're doing here what we want to do here overall i hope i hope it was an enjoyable tale an an enjoyable collection of readable nuggets that's what i want that's how i felt yeah so that worked thank you i did genuinely really like it like short stories are not something i typically gravitate towards Mm -hmm. i'm not sure why because i really liked reading all of them and i think sam said it before but like basically you like you didn't really have to spend a lot of time like world building and developing like a magic system or politics or anything it was just kind of like these little fun snippets like we like channel surfed through like so many adventures essentially Mm -hmm. i liked all of them and they they all had very different takeaways i think you know it was hard to pick one major takeaway because i think i got like a different lesson and a different theme from each short story and poem and i I think it was fun when we talked about it on the podcast to like be able to go in depth and like list out all these different topics that you snuck in there 
under the guise of like a fun adventure, like just right under the surface mm. were like some mm. tough issues that I forget which one was it wieners we were talking about was like something that yeah like, kids could talk about in school or yeah. yeah that was such that was such a compliment from you Anna because I remember like listening to that in my car where you're like oh this could be something that students could read in high school to talk about consent and you know um, modern romance and I was like oh okay. imagine like people reading my work in a classroom and picking it apart like that that'd be an honor I think that's like would be yeah. a perfect target audience like it's it's PG essentially you know yeah so like it would be okay to put into a classroom, but then people could really talk about things like consent or like misreading a, a book by its cover, essentially when you mm-hmm. when you meet people. Sure. And I think that that would be like sure. a good lesson for, for high school kids. Thank you. Because I mean, originally it was just a funny idea. Like I, I had this idea to write a story or a book of kind of just making fun of romantic comedy meet cutes or whatever because it's always like <laughs> at the coffee shop or something you just meet this like hot guy and he turns out to be so great and like you just end up falling in love what if he's terrible what if he's the worst <laughs> like and you find out right away and what if it keeps happening I, I thought it was just a freaking funny idea but there was also room in there to be like well why are they terrible like is are they not paying attention to consent are they inconsiderate are they a, a felon i don't know like it, you know, <laughs> a criminal <laughs> yeah yeah freaking criminal like that kind of stuff so yeah I, i'm glad that uh, you're able to pull these like different layers from it that's really great yeah i think it was hard for me to necessarily pick a favorite however a lightened load stayed with me for a couple of days and i really appreciated the mm-hmm. thought process behind it Awesome. I like that one a lot too. The idea of giving yourself that healthy room to sometimes remove people from your social circles that aren't necessarily watering your garden. Right, right. I think is a very important thing all people, regardless of their age, need to sometimes keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very cathartic yeah. to get a reminder that, hey, you know, sometimes it's better to give yourself some elbow room from certain relationships or certain people and do what's best for you. I thought that was really cool. Thank you. I wrote that story when I was actually in a similar place as Mr. Rosito, honestly, Um, because there was a a girl in my life who I was interested in romantically at first. And I asked her out and she very politely turned me down. And I'm like, you know what, that's fine. Like, I'm not for everybody. But I, I would try to be her friend for for a while and try to like be involved, make her invite her to be a part of my life. And it took me a couple years to finally realize like she didn't care. Like she didn't give a shit. Like I just need to like walk away from this. Stop putting in that effort. And that's where the idea was born for the story of like, what if this person is going through a similar thing as me and setting boundaries for themselves? But it turns out to go horribly, horribly wrong. (laughs) And it it turned into this very cool, like Twilight Zone-esque thing where everybody starts disappearing, you know, that that he deletes from his phone. But yeah, I I, I think it's just, I was dealing with the same thing. And I was trying to set boundaries in a healthy way and focus more on people who do water my garden and enrich my life. And there you go. You got a a dang story out of it. Was this written after the pandemic? Because I feel like Sam and I talked a lot about like, we had to shrink our bubble because of COVID lockdown here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, like how do we like politely pick who our like small core Mm -hmm. is and like navigating that as an adult is sometimes weirdly more difficult than you would expect because you don't want to like just cut people out 
and sure. hurt their feelings. But I think that in that story, you know, there was that permission of like, yeah, it is. You can do that. <laughs> it's uh-huh. good for you. Yeah, it wasn't written during the pandemic. Honestly, all of these short stories and poems were mostly written within like a two or three month period. I had, I had finished writing and publishing Awakened, um, the third book in the Webleyan Chronicles, finished out the trilogy. And I had like poked at this collection for a while where I would like write down an idea for a story or I would write down the beginnings of a poem, but I didn't start digging into it and working on it until that third book in the Webleyan Chronicles was published and done. So it was about this time last year, probably like late spring, early summer, uh, 2022 that I was writing that story. But I did have some of those ideas like during the pandemic, you know, and I just like kept them in my brain cubby for another time. <laughs> brain, brain cubby. cubby. Yeah. So good. Yeah. The vault. Yeah. Dude, there's lots of ideas in the vault. So many ideas in the vault. It's like, just got to figure out when I'm going to schedule them out. What am I going to write in five years from now? Like I've kind of got it up in there somewhere. Very cool. Thanks. Are you just like struck with inspiration here and there and you just have to like hold on to a little nugget until you're ready? Oh, sometimes. Sometimes you're struck with inspiration where you could be doing anything throughout the day. You could be watching a TV show. You could be in line to pick up your ramen order and you'll just come up with an idea for like a poem or your story and you're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I need to make sure I write that down or something. So you like put it down in your phone or maybe you have like a notebook and you write it down. Sometimes it's just work. I, I try not to write stories or poems that don't feel like they're coming from somewhere authentic or real. Mm-hmm. But sometimes like, especially when you're writing your novel, when you're writing a long book and you sit down and you're like, where do I take it from here? You just got to like, think of that first idea in your brain of where it would make sense to take it from this point and just go for it. Just write that thousand words for the day and make it as good as you can and hope for the best. But yeah, I, I feel like a lot of my short stories and poems in particularly like come from these nuggets of inspiration of, oh, that could be cool. Or that could be interesting if someone developed a story like that. That's where a lot of it comes from. Was your, um, was Webley Chronicles the one you said you published when did you say 15? Yeah, I started writing it when I was 15. It was originated by a, a seminary video for, for a lot of Mormon kids growing up. You have this thing called seminary where if you're outside the state of Utah, there's like someone in your congregation, your ward, who like you go to their house at like six o'clock in the morning on a school day and you learn from the scriptures for like an hour. You like you guys like study scriptures together. It's like a little Bible study. But in Utah, there's like so many Mormons. Oh my gosh, we're all over the place. Like <laughs> it's uh there's a thing called release time where you can actually get permission to leave school for an hour to like go do this Bible study during the day. And there was a video that was shown where I don't, I don't know if it's like from some older story, but this prince is kidnapped by these evil bandits and these bandits try to subject him to this like riotous lifestyle with gluttony and women and all this like, why will you not partake of our pleasures? And this prince, like, <laughs> this, this prince like puffs out his chest and puts his nose in the air and says, because one day I'm meant to be king. And I thought to myself, what an interesting concept of like, you cannot wield supreme executive power unless you are a good person. You have to be a good person. How would you measure that? Where would that come from? And that's where the idea of it's like, oh, there's a dragon god who like picks out good, good spirits before they're even born. And it's like, yo, you're going to be king. You're going to be the next king. You're going to be the next queen um, when the time comes. And the whole trilogy kind of like spent from that. Wow. 
All right, I'm just going to quickly go to Amazon and put these in my cart. <laughs> add to cart, uh, add to cart, add to cart. It's fun. If you're a Kindle person, they're just five bucks a pop. So keep that in mind. They're way cheaper. Ooh, okay. E-book. Yeah. I'm also planning on recording audiobooks sometime this year, I think. Are you going to record them yourself? I think so. Like so many people have told me like, you have such a beautiful voice. You should record audiobooks yourself. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going to give it my best <laughs> shot. Do it, do it. I recorded uh, Brian Asher's audiobook. <gasps> you did? You're the person? I did. I'm on Audible. Well, that's so cool. Which one was it? Assassin of Malkaze. Okay. I haven't read that one yet. I read The Treasure of Lorev and it was fun. That one was fun. It was hard because there were so many characters. He wanted me to do voices for all the characters. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so hard to keep track. And I had I had to like come up with personas for all of them. And we mm-hmm. were like sending back weird little like YouTube clips of like, I found this cartoon character. Like, can you make your voice sound like this? And like it was it was so much work. I was not prepared. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I for think the my voices. favorite thing ever, without revealing too much, for this character's scoria. Mm-hmm. I think I Brian like, wanted <laughs> Anna to like personify Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Vegeta? <laughs> oh yes. my gosh, Anna, your poor voice. How are your voice? But it's like, so raw. Okay? It's raw. My because Anna horrible. never grew up watching DBZ. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, "Who's this?" And I was like, "Really?" I was like, "Oh yeah, my yeah. god, yeah." <laughs> so hard. I'm kind of in the same place where I'm like, "How do I?" figure out voices for all these characters like for example the hammer fist series has a character named detective axe wielder and he's like the hard-boiled detective of city town but he's like five feet tall so it's like kind of funny <laughs> he's like short but he's also super intimidating and like everyone just respects him he's got this really like hard-boiled will arnett like what are you bastards doing around in my my city i'll get you out of here like that kind of oh my thing. god that's perfect so like that's how i'm gonna sound but even doing that like hurts my voice so what am I going to do when I'm recording this character for like an hour or two a day? I don't know. But Chug well, honey. I would say my honey. best pro tip was I recorded all the like regular narration and then I would record one character's audio so I could oh. consistently do their voice. And then I copied and pasted it all back in. That sounds like a lot of editing. It was, oh, but boy. it was worse when I had inconsistent voices. Okay. That's really good advice. But it's really fun if you do get to do it. Like, it's so satisfying when you finish it and you have, you know, a whole book in your own voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard that a lot of readers really like it when the author reads the book themselves. So, yes. Yeah. So, shoot. I mean, that saves me money. It's just a shiz ton of work. So, yeah. Mm. (laughs) I might have to put writing stuff on hold while I just, like, record audiobooks. But if that's what's got to happen, well, by Jove, that's what's going to (laughs) happen. Part of me also wants to see if I can just do it all myself. But anyway, thoughts in my brain. Um, I know if I want the best possible product, I do need to involve people who are really experienced with this kind of thing. That's that's the thing. That's true. I don't think I have any other questions. This was super fun, though. No, I had a blast. Yeah, this was way fun. I'm so glad I got to talk to you guys. This is a hoot. And I will hit you up next time I'm like heading out there. I'll be like, yo, guys, I'm going to be here these days. You can come hang. I would love to grab lunch and hang out and yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Shoot the that'd, shit and that'd be whatever. So sick. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we clearly nailed all the questions on our interview list. Mm. Super focused the whole time. We did not get off track <laughs> once. Good job, everyone. All according <laughs> to plan. Uh, hit me, hit me with your guys' address so I can send you a signed copy of Plasma Rifle. I'd love to give you guys a gift. Oh, that'd be awesome. You. If you and Brian are sharing a table too, we're gonna send you guys like a million stickers to give away for free. 
Oh, that'd be sick. I love that. Do you guys each want a copy of Plasma Rifle or do you just want to share one? Nah, we can share. We can share because uh, I hate moving too many books if I don't have to. So, Amen. I feel that. I love our rock collection. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. definitely keep in touch. I'm not kidding. I'm going to go order your other books. I hope you love them. I hope you love them. Like, Foreordained could use some more love right now. It's like the, the reviews right now are sitting at like 4.2 stars on Amazon. And I'm like, maybe what? I'm just no. like not finding the right audience or something. But I don't know. I think they're badass. I think Wevelian Chronicles is way good because it's a very character centric fantasy series, you know, where it's about development and growth and responsibility and duty. I think it's rad, but I hope you guys think it's rad too. Sounds right up our oh, alley. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to just mm. pop it in our cart real quick. Oh, sick. And... Thank you so much. <laughs> Genuinely our pleasure. Oh. Yes, definitely. Aaron, this has been so much fun. I am so glad we got a chance to just hang out and chit chat and just really get to know each other this has been so fun yeah i loved it too i'm stoked to like be friends with you guys you guys are way cool us too us too thank uh, you so much for chatting awesome. i would happily just like chat and hang out again yeah anytime we'll do we'll do this again when you guys are done reading the Wevelyan chronicles we'll have another yeah. call. perfect yeah i'm gonna hop on that first one soon so sweet thank you so much this has been a pleasure all around. It really has. Did you have wanted to just like plug your like social media channels and your website and everything for people? Oh, yeah. For all things Aaron N. Hall, just go to AaronNHall.com. From there, you'll find links to my social media. You'll find links to my books on Amazon. It's your one-stop shop. So uh, come visit. Come say hi. Let's be friends. Let's, let's I'll do all the fun things. Books, nerds, yes. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. If you're looking for more, check us out at fantasticbookspod.com, where we have book reviews, reading list suggestions, merch, and you can even send us a message. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Fantastic Books Pod. And if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks. Thanks. Golden Rise Media.